Welcome to another episode of Pioneers vs Pretenders. I'm your host, Joe Human. And in the house today, we've got someone very cool, someone very inspirational. Donovan, Goliath. What up? You know what I like about that? You said very inspirational. I dig that too. Because (laughs) you are, bro. (laughs) Thank you. How are you, man? I'm fantastic, my brother. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, Had a hectic weekend. Busy, working. But you're still the most stylish guy in the room right now. (laughs) Ah, thanks, man. This is all audio, but like, you know, nobody's watching this. Why do you have to dress up for this thing? This guy's wearing a full three-piece suit and everything with a hat. (laughs) Live, live, live. Oh man, it's 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 good to speak to you this morning. Thank you, man. Thanks um, for having me. So tell me, bro. Like, yep. there's one thing I've always wanted to know, mm-hmm. and like, I'm so glad I'm actually asking you this in person. Do all women laugh at your jokes? Do all women laugh at my jokes? Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope so. I hope so. Um, there've been a lot of cases, you know, where you in the audience, and sometimes it's not just women, but like, there's always one person with their arms folded. Um, just looking at you, giving you these right. snarky looks like, who is this guy? I yeah. hope, can this just be over already? Mm. You know, I would actually expect it from the guys because then you're making their ladies laugh. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> what, what would you say is like your fondest um, childhood memories? Wow, fondest childhood memories. You mm. know what, there's one in particular, um, a memory that makes me very happy that I don't speak about often was the first time I got a set of walkie-talkies mm. for my birthday, right? But it was, you know, the, they, they, they weren't wireless. This was like back then in the <laughs> 80s. They had a long cord, mm. you know, but like 10 meters long type of thing. Yeah. So you could be around the corner and still chat to somebody. And my mind was just so blown away, you know, that I'm having a conversation with somebody and I can't see this person. This is like the wildest mm. thing ever. And I held on to those things for a while. Um, and I don't know what happened to them, you know. Um, it's, it, it makes me quite sad. Don't you find it weird when you think about all the amazing stuff you had? Yeah, like toys and gadgets. Sneakers. Exactly. You know, you had all the stuff that like now is vintage um, and, and you, you just, just gave know. it away or it just disappears. Yeah. You don't know what Pro- happens to it. It just all disappears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that... Do you think that that almost influenced um, your communication skills in some way? Uh, that's a very good question. You know what? I've always been, um, I always enjoy the attention of people laughing at my crazy thoughts. Um, I'm always that guy in the middle of the dance circle. Um, I'm always doing impressions of everybody. So I've never wanted to be a stand-up comedian, never wanted to get on stage and do stand-up comedy. Seriously? No, bruh, never. It like uh, Only in like 2011 or something, mm. I went to watch my first stand-up comedy show in Joburg and I watched some dude perform and I was like, yo, tall as mo, actually. Mm. You know, he was just telling stories about his life and, you know, I was like, man, I've got interesting stories to tell because I love telling stories, you know. Um, and that's what I did. I wrote my first five minutes, jumped on stage, it worked, and I kept doing it um, every time I got booked. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the other thing that helped me is like, I worked in advertising for six years at network BBDO. Mm. So having to come up with concepts, present those concepts and sell these concepts, you know, sometimes like a 20 million Rand campaign, then you're selling it to like the CEOs of these big companies. Mm. Um, you know, you've got to articulate yourself well. And, um, you know, a lot of times act out the scene for them. You can't just like read them a script. You got to like act it out. Exactly. And get it to as close as the final product as you possibly can. Um, and 
that definitely aided me, you know, in what I'm doing right now, because essentially that's what I do. You know, I sell my concepts to people and they pay money yeah. to come and watch me, you know, <laughs> deliver these <laughs> concepts that are in my head. Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the same medium. You see, like a lot of people ask me, like, how I could leave a job in advertising and get into comedy. Actually, and I'm I was, like, was going to ask that, like, what was, what was the shift? What changed and made you think, you know, this is not for me? Um, I don't like being told what to do, mm. you know, and at some point, like it's great in the beginning, you know, you get to know the industry and you get to work on these massive campaigns and meet all these fantastic people and you get exposed to so much, but then you start to realize that a lot of the concepts don't belong to you. You know, it belongs to the agency and it gets dictated to by creative directors and executive creative directors and clients. And I just didn't, I didn't like that, you know, so um, I think I just wanted to own everything myself. And for me, the transition from being a creative in advertising to comedy um, wasn't a difficult one because it's still creativity at the end of the day. It's just a different medium, you know. It's just now I present these ideas on stage versus putting them down on paper, putting a storyboard together mm -hmm. and going to present it to somebody else who buys into it. Um, this time it's a lot more one-on-one -on -one and immediate, you know, which I prefer. How important do you think ownership of, our creative work as Africans or creators is? Oh, it's imperative, you know, especially now. Um, I'm loving where African creativity is going. I'm loving that the world is embracing it so much in music, in textile, in um, print, in, uh, you know, motion graphics, all of these things. Um, you know, I think only now, you know, young African creatives are starting to understand that you know, the world is so inspired by us and we've been giving away so much of our content and ignoring mm. what we have here, you know, in terms of inspiration and culture and all of these things um, and looking to the West and all of these other places for inspiration, thinking that that's what you need to do for your stuff to be considered great or perfect. But it's the other way around, you know. The West is constantly looking at Africa, trying to, you know, source original ideas, um, trying to mine whatever they can and turn it into something else. But, you know, you've got guys like Black Coffee, you've got Laduma, you've got Trevor Stierman, you've got um, a lot of these gom artists, for example, yeah. killing it overseas <laughs> because it's fresh, you know, it's a new sound. Like, there's just so many um, new patterns, new colors, new ways of thinking that mm. the world has never seen. And I love that, you know, you've got these dudes, um, you know, Trevor Noah included, who've brought the world closer um, to Africa and South Africa, mm. um, which is which is powerful. So I think now is the right time for people to really hold on to the ideas, their ideas, um, take ownership and, you know, sell sell their ideas as hard as they can and, you know, make sure they're getting, getting that coin exactly. as much of it as possible. That's the bottom line, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, dude. To make money out of your creative work absolutely you know because i just think oh, dude creatives just don't get <clears throat> respected um at all not even a bit yeah you know which i don't understand because you know i was having this conversation with my girlfriend yesterday and you know we were talking about how the world needs creativity the world needs entertainment but the world never wants to pay for it and support it do you not think it's because we don't know how to value our work possibly 
Um, it's also something that's always been considered um, a hobby. A lot of people still mm. think that, ah, man, you just do this thing, exactly. you know, willy-nilly in jail. And um, there's no real value put to it, you know. Um, there are also no, no real, um, you know, support groups or forums that really support. They're out there, mm. you know, but like hard to come across and hard to be a part of. Um, they really support, um, you know, creative types. So, um, yeah, man, it's so sad. That value thing is so important. You know, you, you actually look at how people undervalue themselves um, because they feel like, you know, and it's weird because we're so used to creating, but we're not used to kind of sitting back and looking at the time it takes, the money you spend on materials, exactly. all of these things. These and also, I feel like sometimes we doubt ourselves. Yo. You know, like I've created this beautiful thing, but uh, if I charge this guy 15K for it, he might think it's too much, but you inside know how much the value oh, yeah, yeah, of yeah. that project or artwork is. Absolutely. Know? And I think that we, we're all responsible for this because if one ch- person was supposed to charge 15K and they end up charging 2K, you've now set the bar. bar exactly. You know, so you can't play outside of that space. Um, you know, that's why I appreciate guys like Nelson Makamo, for example. Nelson, Nelson knows what his stuff Brilliant. is worth, Brilliant. you know, and he's not gonna, he's not gonna step back and give you a discount because of A, B, and C. He's like, no, <laughs> you know, why are you so comfortable to pay this much for an American artist mm. or whatever, you know? But when I go, um, yes, I'm Nelson Makamo, um, this is how much I charge, you wanna question that. Mm. And the mentality, I think, of a lot of people out there, um, is that because you're South African, you know, you shouldn't be charging um, American rates or European rates, which yeah. is such a terrible way but to think about we it. We are so comfortable with paying European rates for European products. Oh, man, services. it frustrates me so much, you know, and you see that in fashion, especially. Yo, I. <laughs> so, bro, you've lived in a country that is very diversified in yeah. languages, people, food, color, you name it. Yeah. What has it been like for you when people would look at you and be like, whoa, this guy can actually speak Kosa? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it's so interesting. It took me a while to realize that, because um, growing up, Mtata, mm. you know, like I had friends growing up who didn't speak English. We only spoke his Kosa to one another. Um, I went to a school called Zingisa Comprehensive High School. Dude, mm. 99% Kosa school and I was that 0.1%, you know, so it was a shock to people when like I got to the school. Yeah. Right dots in the yeah. Black circle. Yes, it's exactly that. Um, and, uh, you know, at the time, I mean, it was like, yeah, whatever. It didn't mean anything to me. And then um, when I started doing comedy and telling these stories, I started to realize, you know, um, that I, I still to this day, I can't understand why it's why I'm an anomaly, why it's it's so surprising to people. You know, I mean, we live in Africa, you know what I mean? <laughs> we should be able to do this thing. It should come naturally to us, you know, but I guess, you know, the way the way the country's been set up mm. or the way the country was set up, you know, it obviously didn't allow for it. But um, I've used it um, to my advantage in that um, I get to share my experiences mm. of different cultures with other people. So a lot of times, you know, I get on stage and um, or even when I'm doing design work, for example, and, mm. you know, you teach people certain things about 
a culture, culture about the language etc mm-hmm. etc et but package it in a way that makes them easier to understand so it doesn't become preachy you know so that's what i've done you know i've just gone ahead and done this thing but um yeah people are still so surprised you know <laughs> even though, like a lot of people actually think i'm white because you know? <laughs> i don't i don't look like you know what the country's stereotype of perception yes. is of what colored guys should look like which is also a terrible thing um but uh yeah man you know it's um it's not my it's not my trump card it's mm. not my like woohoo so look at me so, so you've not been like using it as a superpower no being mischievous no no you, you know supposed to <laughs> <laughs> maybe now and then you know when you get stopped by the cops <laughs> and you speak closer and then they go hi <laughs> but and then you know you can yeah but let's not get into that <laughs> how would you say um how how do you think comedians are changing the african narrative because i feel like there's there's so much that goes in, into comedy that mm. it's almost a ref, it's actually a real reflection of um what is happening in society what's happening in politics what's happening in the world but it's it's toned down to such a nice way that it's mm. amusing, but yet still informative and thought-provoking. Yeah. You know, how how would you say African comedians are pushing that narrative? How are you guys changing it? Man, you know, great question. Um, and I want to start off by saying I was I was in Montreux, Switzerland, uh, about two years ago, and one of the owners of um, one of the biggest festivals, the Montreux um, Comedy Festival. Um, said that the next big star is going to come from Africa, but the most unlikely place, somewhere like Malawi or Uganda or one of those places, you know? And we were intrigued. We were like, oh, that's interesting. Why would you say that? And he goes, because those comics are so entrenched in their culture, you know, deep, 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 that they aren't really influenced by western stories or whatever else so they tell they they talk about what they know you know which is such a fresh 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 perspective i think for the world and that's what the world wants to hear is these new stories they've got fresh styles you know because everybody kind of emulates one another you're always inspired by the same comedians you know the richard prize the eddie murphy's the same names keep coming up and these guys are just inspired by people you know and what happens in their communities so for me, I think, you know, that's where it becomes really important is that you really start to tell the African narrative um, because, you know, the African narrative is often dictated to by the rest of the world. True. Which is terrible. And I hate that. Yeah, exactly. America has a narrative on what Africa is about and they all believe that that's what it is. So a lot of those people come here and get so surprised to see, you know, what we have here. Um, so I think, I mean, it is our responsibility, I guess, to um, educate people, you know, and comedians hate that you know like they you know you don't want to go out there and say yes i'm educating people but like in a funny way Mm -hmm. it's not really that i think it's your perspective on a particular topic be it politics or whatever it is um you know but um sort of flipping it on its head tearing it apart and gluing it back together and creating a different um you know way of thinking about it which can turn the light bulb on for a lot of people mm-hmm. um in fact <laughs> i don't know if you've heard about it but there was a bill that was supposedly passed about 2 years ago <laughs> where comics could get fined or jailed you know for saying certain things on stage so um you know if if somebody felt like this was hate speech or whatever else 
or defamation of character, um, they could report you. And I was just like, what? How? But I kind of I kind of know why that conversation started happening is because once again, you know, comics are able to we talk about like South African comedians, there's no South African comedian who doesn't have at least one political joke, you yeah. know, because this I mean it's in our face all the time. Um and we're able to keep kind of feeding people the story but in an interesting funny way and then people go and they pass that same um you know story on and i think <laughs> there are a lot of things out there that <laughs> south african politicians and people in power um just want people to forget about um and you know you know for us man it's uh it's 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 being in South Africa or just being in Africa mm. rather is, is such an interesting place like you can never say that you're running out of material like you can pull if you just look at us you know so we've got yeah, yeah yeah you know 11 languages all these different cultures everybody has certain behaviors you know that we've never touched on we've never spoken about and I think it's so interesting for us to delve into those things source you know information learn about one another you know like I'm trying my best to um, learn Susutu, you know, and 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 it's it's so difficult because I can't even like I speak Susutu in a Tosa mm. accent, and I'm like, but I just need to understand that notion I so I can deliver, that. you know, and and that's so interesting for me, you know, is that we all live together, we're all here, but there's that thing, there's that little difference, you know, and um, for us, um, you know, getting on stage and being able to tell these stories, I think um, it's important that we are. You know, that we're able to, you know, to, like I say, you know, source, mm. you know, all of these, all this information from different people and put it out on stage. And, you know, without even thinking about it, you're teaching people about different cultures and things that happen in South Africa. And being able to laugh about it is incredible, you know. <laughs> but there's a fine line as well, because, you know, there's some guys who go out there and, you know, there's there's a bit of malice, you know, like mm. they, there's it's a bit edgy. Yeah, like, okay, where you just go, look, going, now you yeah. you're pushing this too far. You're making us seem uh, like we're A, B and C versus wrapping this thing up in a nice kind of way um, that we can walk away with and everybody's cool. also makes you an entrepreneur because there's so much other stuff that you're doing you know yeah you've got a character that you're pushing yeah you know and coming from an advertising job and going into your purpose and finding your passion yeah people don't really speak about the hard work that goes behind that you know people, yeah people will look at you and be like wow this guy is so successful he's doing shows he's flying in and out of the country all week but they don't actually see those sleepless nights you know yeah, the yeah, yeah meetings you have to do the times where you have to sit and just come up and create content so what and doing podcasts yeah <laughs> <laughs> what so what is that process like what are those challenges you know what what do you have to go through to actually be sufficient at all times and just be out there and put out great work it's tough 
It's very tough, you know, and um, it took me a while to realize that, um, you know, coming out of advertising, so I'm fortunate um, because I understand, you know, the value of um, communication and brand presence, et cetera, et cetera. Like um, I had to realize that uh, my product is what I tell on stage. How do I package that? Uh, my logo is my face, essentially. You know, all of these things, you know, what is, what is, how does it carry through? on social media, how do I present myself when I'm doing interviews, when I'm doing podcasts, when I'm on TV, etc., etc. Um, and you start to realize that, you know, it's, 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 you can't just rely on the comedy. There's so many other touch points that you have to get involved in to make this, this, uh, this machine work. Um, but the process is a very difficult one. Um, you're right. Everybody only ever sees the end result, but it's a lot of trial and tribulation, writing jokes, going out to test those jokes. More often than not, those jokes die, you know, where you, you and that's the only way you really have to throw yourself out there and try it out in, the, in small clubs as often as you can um, to find out why this concept doesn't work. Um, the other thing that makes it difficult, you know, versus being in advertising, for example, I could put an ad out and it's got time to settle before people decide if it's good or not. With us, it's immediate, you know? It's either it's funny or it's not done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you just have to keep moving on and develop this thick skin um, to find your voice, you know? And uh, we have this conversation with young comedians as well who go, yeah, no, I'm trying to find my voice. And, you know, you can't find your voice if you don't use your voice. You really have to keep pushing it and just keep doing this thing until you realize what you're comfortable with and what the pattern is that keeps popping up over and over and over to go, oh, well, this is actually my style, you know? It's it's so easy to be influenced by the people you watch on stage, by the DVDs you watch, and, you know, you look at the successful guys and you don't understand their process and who they were inspired by. I'm a big fan of Austin Kleon's book, Steal Like an Artist, you know? And um, I think a lot of people misinterpret that, so... A lot of guys will emulate, say, Kevin Hart, for example, because he's so super successful. But you don't realize that um, you can't you can't take that one element of Kevin Hart right now and make it work. It has to fit into something. So Steel Like an Artist for me is so smart because they go, if you emulate one person, mm. you're plagiarizing, you're just copying them versus taking, I'm going to take, let's say, the fitness element of Kevin Hart. It's a lifestyle thing, you know. In order to live the life he lives, he has to um, be fit and his body physically has to yeah. be able to get him through that. Um, and then I'm going to take the, um, you know, the, 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 the calmness and the, the effortlessness of Dave Chappelle, for example. I'm going to take the charm of Trevor Noah and I'm going to do, you know, you know, you take the mm. little things and you create your original thing on stage. Um, so for us, it's constant chipping away you know you have to perform over and over and over again as many times What's as you can yes you know every single time you know and that's the thing every time you go on stage you've hit the reset button because the audience is different and the audience is always different sometimes you know you do corporate gigs the audience doesn't even know that you're coming so they're not prepared for comedy so it's your job to lift them up first before you get into the jokes you know so it's mentally you know, you, you've got to love it, number one. Um, and, and, and like now, there are a lot of guys I see who try this thing. They die once on stage and they're out, you know. And guys who look like they have potential, but they just can't deal with, you know, gosh, I didn't get laughs the first time. Dude, how do you difficult. Deal, how, do you, how have you dealt with rejection and criticism and failure? 
Yeah, it's happened a lot, bro. It's happened to every single one of us, the biggest comedians in the world. You know, Dave Chappelle always says that nobody has died more than he has on stage. You just have to keep going, you know. And um, I always say you have to you have to go back and try and figure out why it didn't work um, versus, uh, you know, everybody, well, not everybody, a lot of people just blame the audience, you know, um, or blame the environment they're in. But more often than not, it's just because you know you didn't understand who you were performing to at the time and um or it just didn't make sense it makes sense in your head but maybe they just didn't get a particular reference or whatever it was but it's tough you know when you think that yeah no this one here is going to destroy them and then you just don't get the laughs and normally when the audience doesn't laugh the comedians backstage kill themselves <laughs> but if you tell a really good joke and the audience laughs the comedians never laugh they normally just nod and be like oh that was that was dope yeah 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 that was that was cool you know they always acknowledge it but um, yeah, some people, like I say, young guys will pull out and just never do it again. Um, but you just have to keep pressing on, like anything, I guess, you know. Do you think social media has started playing a very interesting role in people chasing their dreams and sticking to it? Yeah. <clears throat> I feel like there's times where someone would try something because mm. they saw someone else doing it. Yeah. So it's almost like they pressured yeah. because that person is successful. Now all of a sudden I also want to be yeah. in that circle. I want to be in that space. I want to be doing the same thing that they're doing. You know, um, how how do you think that is playing a role in influencing the young creators right now? It's such a gift and a curse, social media. You know, a gift because I always say if you have a smartphone, data and a good idea, you have no excuse not to be amazing, you know, because you've got access to the world, <laughs> you know, anybody in the world can find you. And we've seen countless examples of successful young, by young, I mean 12, 13 year olds, you know, who've just come up with something and stuck to it. And that's become their narrative. I think that the biggest problem, the, the curse part of it, the biggest problem with social media is that you're so inundated with information and things all the time, browsing, is the curse um, because the more you browse the more you're exposed to people who are more uh, successful than you are so you figure oh shucks i need to change my pattern and follow their path and then you find somebody else and then you follow their yeah. path consistency i think is the one thing that um, the skill that people um just you know they they never really develop it and they they never really stick to it because it takes time because we all have a shot at it everybody's vying for it you know so to actually get people to stop browsing so like i always say that you're at war with people's thumbs right now to make them stop scrolling and look at your thing um, you really have to keep hammering away once again the biggest youtube stars the biggest instagram stars never really talk about them they also started out with 50 followers 100 followers the stuff looked terrible at the time but they stick to it and they just keep going. I think it was La Cizwe, for example, mm. who said that um, it took him over, like he had to post over 100 videos on Instagram before, before people actually started noticing, which makes sense. You know, you don't just become an overnight success. You become an overnight success when the right person reposts or recommends your thing. Then you become an overnight success. You don't become an overnight success when you just open that account. Yeah. Never going to happen, you know. It takes a lot of work to put your voice out there. I mean, if you bring it into the physical world, for example, 
you know, and let's say you do comedy, I'll use comedy as an example, or you're just an artist. Mm. Painting one piece and putting it out there is not going to give you exposure. Yeah. It's that constant drumming away and showing it to as many people as possible. But it's the consistency, you know, um, that you need to stick to. And, um, you know, pushing what whatever your, your stuff looks, feels and sounds like and really letting people know that this is what I believe in. Um, one of my favorite quotes is, um, you know, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. So if they can understand the values and beliefs behind why you're pushing this thing, emotionally they get attached to it and then they'll support you because they don't have to. Mm. People have choice. They can move on, you know. So um, I think that definitely social media you know for entertainers for artists it's a great thing um the trick is learning to use it as a tool and not just falling into the stream of browsing and being inspired by all of these people and um you know picking up on what the 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 language is of the digital world and kind of falling into that because then you just become like everybody else versus sticking out and going no man screw this i'm only taking black and white pictures mm. they're gonna look this way and i'm gonna keep hitting at this thing because that's what i want to be known for very hard to do very very hard to do but you know those who make it make it big you know i really love when you say that we are at war with people's thumbs yeah how does how does one create content that is valuable you know what what would you say goes into creating content that can create an impact you know what people have stopped doing i think creators have stopped taking time creativity takes time mm. good ideas take time um, the microwave generation that we live in now that is so instant and temporary is affecting a lot of creative people because everybody wants to put something out as quick as possible you know but it's not supposed to work that way. We all know it, you know, before um, digital, before social media, people took as long as they needed to take with whatever and got it to a point where they were happy first. I think now we, we're always trying to figure out what's going to impress them mm. versus what makes me happy first, you know. Um, and it's, it's such a tough thing to have to deal with because we also... Um, you know, if you look at things, you know, the other thing that a lot of people don't do, and also going back to Austin Cleon, great, you know, once again, for creators and for entertainers is, it's very voyeuristic, this world, people want to see, they want to get to know you, they want to see behind the scenes. And I think a lot of people don't show that they're not showing their process, artists aren't showing how they're getting their hands dirty, the mistakes they're making, everybody's always showing you the final piece, you know, nobody's showing you the process, which is what people actually want to see. And I think that's where you start to develop real relationships with people um, because you expose that vulnerable side of you. You know, vulnerability is a thing that we've lost. Um, ego has gone up heavily. Perfection has gone up heavily. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to see, you know, to be like, you know, you're average, you're just <laughs> yeah. a normal person. Nobody just wants to be a normal person anymore. You know, there's filters, there's captions, there's designer labels, there's all of these things that, you know, these facades that have that you put in front of you to make yourself seem, you know, just perfect and just impossibly good looking and all of these things, which is boring, number one, you know. And I think that you you become temporary because there's always going to be a person, there's always going to be a new app that'll make the next person better than you, mm. you know. Um, I did an experiment once where 
I photoshopped my face onto some guy <laughs> wearing full Gucci. Yeah. And you know how many people thought it was real? Yo, this drip suits you, son. Oh, yeah, swag. Ah, oh, Gucci gang, blah, blah, blah. Like, I like this new look, bro. Then I'm like, guys, no. <laughs> I would never dress in full Gucci. Why do you think, why would you think that this is, you know, that this is me? But it's just that how we've been trained, you know, mm. it's... Uh, it's it's the textures of society at the moment that everybody's jumping onto, which which is sad, you know, which is sad. But I think creators need to get back to being creative mm -hmm. and understand that um, the the post will be ready when it's ready. That's it. Mm. Wow, That's it. brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's next for Donovan? Man, um, you know, we we were chatting about childish Gambino earlier on. Yes, we were. I'm, I, I like to consider myself, you know, a, a bit of a renaissance man. I don't like to put one label on myself. You know, I can do so many things. I can paint. I rap. I enjoy fashion. Mm -hmm. I enjoy sneakers. Um, I enjoy Fine drawing, photography design, things. photography. Yeah. You know, there's all of these things that I enjoy doing, but um, I've, I've painted myself into a corner, you know, where, oh, no, you do comedy. You need, like, everything needs to be funny. Everything needs to be this. Everything needs to be that. But... I think what's next for me is really putting all of myself out there because that's, that's the real me, you know. I'm really focusing on, you know, if just for a week, for example, if I just focus on photography and flexing that muscle just a little bit for myself, you know, but putting my sort of vision and things out into the world, um, you know, focusing on music, you know, for another week or month, whatever it takes. Um, I, I personally, I don't believe in just doing one thing. I really don't believe in that theory. Um, there's, a, there's a word that was coined a few years ago called multi-potentialite. Mm. It's a person who's good at many things, you know, and I think that we're constantly taught, you know, that whole jack of all trades, don don. Yeah, I don't like that work. saying. Mm. I don't like that saying because you do have people like Childish Gambino, like Pharrell Williams, like Kanye West, who are thinkers, who are hungry and curious about the world and they just want to explore as much as they can. Kanye, one of my favorite tweets of Kanye's of all, of all time is he goes, do as much as you can in one lifetime. It's mm. so true, you know, especially if you're a creative person. And also because like human beings in general are beings and species that are always evolving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always yeah. growing, learning, yeah. you know, becoming different yeah. uh, thinkers, you know, looking at perspectives differently. So yeah. to limit yourself to one thing is almost like you're not doing enough. You're not fulfilling your purpose. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know? I mean, Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time because that's all he did. That's what he focused on. And this, there's no rules to this life thing, you know? It's what, what are you comfortable with, you know? And I don't think that we should be dictating to people what's right and what's wrong, you know? Um, a lot of people never actually express what they're really into and what they like, you know? There are accountants out there who all they want to do is paint for the rest of their lives, mm -hmm. but... That's not what they trained to do. That's not what they studied. You were told that ah, there's no money in painting. There's a great documentary that you should watch called Lemonade. Mm. And what it is, is it's people who have been retrenched from advertising, who've been in advertising for years, right? And they thought that's all they knew. And now they get retrenched. So then they go into all of these other things. Like one guy becomes a barista. Some lady does yoga. And then those are things that's so when they come in to work in the morning, for example, those are the blogs that they were checking out. Those were the things that they were doing in their spare time. That little voice inside of you that goes, oh man, all I want to do is make coffee. You know, 
That's actually what you should be doing. That was their purpose. And now they're so much happier doing that stuff. So being retrenched was the best thing that could ever have happened to them, you know? Um, and I think that, yeah, dude, we need to start digging deeper, you know, and find out what our real purpose is and just not be scared to put that out there into the world and not be worried about what people are going to say. Um, and that for me right now is, you know, 2019 is going to be about pushing out as much um, of myself and creativity as possible. You know, part of that is doing another one-man show. You know, I haven't done a one-man show in two years. You know, my last one came out two years ago and I need to push that out um, because it's a great challenge to work towards. Um, but yeah, photography, meeting some of my heroes, you know, uh, Pharrell, one of my biggest inspirations of all time, um, guys like David Attenborough, you know, who I'm obsessed with, completely obsessed with, Amazing you know. Dude. Exactly. You know, people like that who all I want to do is just meet them and have a conversation and tick that off my list, um, you know, um, because these are the people that kind of shape me. These are the people I gravitate towards whenever I need advice or information or just a little bit of upliftment. And we don't know each other, but there's something <laughs> that you've done that will inspire me. So, yeah. That, yeah. And working with you. Like, I actually, one of my, I really want to work with you on I'm a project. Ready, bro. I'm ready. Yeah. Let's do it. For real. Like after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Quickly before yeah. we go, um, how would you define success? Mm, success. How would I define success? You know, I think success, a successful person is a person who's, um, who's truly living their purpose. A lot of people, um, can go through an entire lifetime without figuring out what their purpose is. And I'm going to close it off on my absolute favorite quote of all time by the most unlikely person, Jim Carrey. And it's, what do they need that your talent can provide? You know, a successful person is a person who's answered that question. That's what it is. That's all for today. Thank you for tuning in to Pioneers vs Pretenders. I'm your host, Joe Human, and see you guys in the next episode. Shot, bro. Shot.